Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so thankful for the message of Christmas, for it is the message of hope and peace and joy and love. It is the message that you so loved a a world full of sinners that you gave your only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so, Lord, today, we've all come to this moment from different places, busy weeks, crazy weeks, chaotic weeks, Lord, we know you meet us right where we are. And so, Lord, now we surrender ourselves yet again to you and say, Lord, speak to our hearts. Renew us in our minds. Transform us to become more like Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Well, today is the Advent Sunday of joy, and I would say that joy is all about perspective. How do you view whatever circumstance you're facing. Like, for example, we have a lot of athletes in here. Let's say as an athlete you were getting ready to play a game and you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was no way that you could lose. Now, I'm not talking about the sort of overconfidence that usually gets you beat. Have you ever seen that? Teams look past a team and and, and they end up getting shocked and they end up getting beat. You can't do that. But what if you knew that no matter what happened, you were going to win at the end of the game? How would it change the way that you approached the game? How would it change the way that you looked at the game? How would it change the way that you played the game? Well, it would change it in every way. Because in the game, you would still have ups and downs. You would still have plays that went your way and plays that didn't go your way. You would still have shifts in momentum. You would have all the things that you would have in a normal game, but you would view them completely differently because you would know that you were going to win no matter what in the end. So you would view those plays that didn't go your way like speed bumps along the way, minor distractions, minor setbacks, no big deal. Because ultimately, we're going to win in the end, no matter what. And you would view those moments of glory when something goes just the way you drew it up, something goes exactly right. You would view that as a glimpse, as a foretaste of the glory that you would receive in the end when the full victory would finally come. See, if you knew you were going to win, it would change the way that you played the game. Well, can I tell you this? If you are in Jesus Christ, you have been guaranteed victory for all eternity through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is absolutely and utterly and unequivocally assured that you will stand in victory. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, John writes, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it? that overcomes the world, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you're in Christ, that's the way you can approach your life. Yesterday, in this very room, we had the funeral service for a saint. She was a saint because of the grace of God and Jesus Christ extended toward her, and she repented of her sin and received Christ and trusted and followed Jesus throughout her life. And then she made the rest of our lives better. Her name was Libby Blackerby. And yesterday, in this room, we celebrated her life. Part of celebrating her life was her daughters going through her Bibles. She had many of them. And finding favorite verses. One of her favorite verses is within the text that we'll look at today. It's Romans chapter 8. We're looking at verses 31 through 39. They were 38 and 39 were a couple of her favorites. We'll look at that. 
But another one that she had marked out was 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And I want you to hear these words penned by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. He said, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Did you hear the perspective in that passage? Yes, as we live this life, we have to face sorrow and struggle and temptation to sin and the effects of other people's sin and the effects of our own sin. That's part of navigating a sin-fallen world. But as we navigate this sin-fallen world and all the things that it brings with it, as we trust and follow Jesus, we can recognize that in terms of eternity, our affliction, though it is real, is light. And it is momentary. And it does not have the final word in our lives. No, Jesus has the final word in our lives. And Jesus' final word for everyone who has repented of sin and received Christ is victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Because he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. So that's the way that we live our lives. So the, the ups and the downs, they still come. The high moments and the low moments, they still come. They come for everybody. But we live our lives bolstered by the assurance that in the end, we'll stand in victory. And we can know it beyond the shadow of a doubt, unequivocally, assuredly, that the victory is ours. Why? Because we're so good? No, because God is so good. And the message of Christmas is that he sent his only begotten son to rescue us. So I just want to encourage you. What's your perspective this morning? If you want to walk in the joy of the Lord, if you want the joy of the Lord to be your strength, number one, you have to give your life to Jesus. If you have not given your life to Jesus, you are separated from God. Lindsay said it this morning, sin separates us from God. And if we stay separated from God, we die and go to hell. You say, well, that's not very politically correct. You know, God couldn't care less about our political correctness. He tells the truth. And if we die separated from him, we have to pay for our own sin forever in a real and nasty place called hell. But he doesn't want that for any of us. And the proof is the message we proclaim at Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, you know who's included in whosoever? Whosoever. Anybody who will come to him in repentance and faith. That's perspective. That's joy. I want to invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 31 through 39. And your theme for the message, for those of you taking notes, is because God is for us, we have joy. Because God is for us, we have joy. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start in verse 31 as he says this. Incidentally, if you're in the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 944. Page 944. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him 
graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Our first point this morning is this. God is for us, so he gives us the gospel. God is for us, so he gives us the gospel. Paul starts this section by saying, what are we to say to these things? What shall we say to all these things? Well, what are the these things to which he's referring? These things are the sins and struggles and sorrows that the world throws at us. These things are the constant spiritual warfare that we have to walk in. We have an enemy who absolutely hates us. In John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, calls us to be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So you need to know that no matter who you are, you have an enemy who hates you and wants to see you destroyed. That's all he wants. He wants to see you wreck your life in every way possible. He wants to see the, the possibility of God just utterly obliterated in your life. He wants to see you suffer. He enjoys that. That's how evil he is. He comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. Now, he'll tempt, but the temptation never looks like it's going to steal from you, kill you, or destroy you. No, the temptation looks good in the moment. How many of you have ever been tempted by something that looked nasty at the time? No, he, he, he makes it look good. And then he grabs you. He won't let you see the end. He won't let you see what it turns out to be. No, no, no. He'll just let you be allured by what appears good. But all he's trying to do is steal and kill and destroy, and he's looking for you. He's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Will it be you? Or will you stand in the hope that we have in Jesus? Because just as we have an enemy who hates us and wants to destroy us, we have a God who loves us so much that he sent his son to rescue us. The other half of John 10.10, 10, when Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When Peter tells us that there is a, an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, he then tells us to do this, resist the enemy. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. See, if you're in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, you win. God himself will restore you. God himself will strengthen you. God himself will establish you. You will stand in his victory because you've surrendered your life to him. That's the hope that we have. And that's joy as we face all of life's moments. The greatest evidence for all of this is what we celebrate at Christmas, what we celebrate at Good Friday, what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. It's amazing. If I'd been God, I would not have come for me. And I definitely wouldn't have come for you. I mean, have you been out in public lately? I was out driving yesterday. It's Christmas time. Have you tried to go anywhere over the last two weeks? 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. How many of you have had to lean into your prayer life just a little extra, particularly around Scottsville Road, Campbell Lane, Nashville Road? Yeah. Why? Because everybody from a 10-county region has converged. We have a super Walmart, and we have a Target, and we have a mall, and we have, a lo- and we have all the things, and they're here. And they don't know how to use a roundabout because they haven't been practicing as long as we have. And they seem not to realize that there's anybody else in the world. You don't have to be from out of town to do that. No, you can just walk to the grocery store. And everybody's kind of got tunnel vision, trying to make their meal happen, trying to make their experience happen. And they don't care about you. And it's real easy to become real frustrated real quick. And all of a sudden, you're in danger of losing your witness. I ordered somebody a hamburger at a particular restaurant the other day. And I wanted to be sure that this hamburger didn't have cheese on it because most hamburgers now come with cheese. This person doesn't like cheese. And I said, now I need to make sure there's no cheese on that hamburger. And the person on the other end, inside that big menu there, said, well, hamburgers don't come with cheese. Real smart-like, you know? And I want to tell you that as the pastor of the First Baptist Church, Bowling Green, Kentucky, that broadcasts on WBKO every week and sends a live stream signal out to the ends of the earth, my first response was to turn the other cheek and say, oh, dear one, I know this line is full, and I know that you've been blasted, and I know that, you know. But that was not my first inclination. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit of God was with me and shut me up. I did not say a word. How many of you can find grace? Sometimes God keeps you quiet when otherwise you might speak. Listen, Christmas time. Why do you think it's so crazy at Christmas time? Because the enemy wants to distract us from this message that God has come to get us. Because it's the most wondrous message the world has ever known. God so loved a bunch of unlovable people like us that he sent his son Jesus to come and get us. And then we get to Good Friday because to get us, he had to die for us to pay for all of our sin. Because if you're sinful, you can't come to God. No, God's perfect and can't have our sin around him. So what did he do? He made a way for our sin to be cleansed, separated from us as far as the east is from the west, no longer counted against us. For when we give our faith to Jesus Christ, his death on the cross becomes efficacious for us and wipes away all of our sin. And then the third day, Easter Sunday, he arose from the grave. He lives today. He has triumphed over sin and Satan and hell and death and the grave. And all who are in Christ live forevermore, forever in victory. That's the message of Christmas, and that's the message of Good Friday, and that's the message of Easter. And isn't it interesting that those are the times when God tries to, to, to get that message through to us, through his spirit, through his word, and then to the world, through his people, and that's when the enemy goes on high alert. Christmas, everything's crazy, and Easter, it's nothing but nerd TV about how Jesus wasn't really the Messiah. The enemy doesn't want the world to have this message and to live in the joy of the Lord. But God has come. And then he says, you know what? Here's what's interesting. Jesus himself, this is in verse 34, Jesus is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us. Did you know that Jesus is actively interceding for us even now as he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty? So the greatest thing 
to illustrate that God is for us is the gospel. And if you're taking notes, on the back of your notes is the gospel. There's everything you need to know to be saved, everything you need to do to be saved, to respond to God in faith. And if God's calling you to respond, you, we're going to give you an opportunity here in the room, but you can also email us right there at prayer at firstbaptistbg.org, and we'll help you take your next steps. We had somebody email us at prayer at bg.org this week. It took us about four minutes to get back to them because this is important. Well, now look with me at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Our second point. God is for us, so he gives us victory. God is for us, so he gives us victory. Difficulties come for everyone, believer and unbeliever alike. Jesus Christ himself in John chapter 16 verse 33 said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, listen to this, this is Jesus talking, in this world you will have tribulation. In this world you will have tribulation. Peter would later write, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. They come for everybody. If you live long enough, you're going to suffer. You're going to struggle. You're going to face difficulty. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But then he followed it up by saying this, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So the one that we worship, the one that we trust, the one that we follow is the one in whom we find everlasting victory. So we cling tightly to him. But here's the good news. Our relationship with God doesn't depend on how tightly we can cling to him. Our relationship with God depends on how tightly he clings to us. And let me tell you something. There's nothing and no one stronger than Almighty God. There's nothing and no one that can jerk you out of his hand. There's nothing and no one that can tear you away from him once you have given your life to him. He has a hold of you. He will not let you go. So tribulation won't separate you from his love, nor distress, nor persecution, nor famine, nor nakedness, nor danger, nor sword, not anything. Because Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Our God has won the victory, and if you're in Christ, he's got a hold of you, and he will not let you go no matter what. You say it's really hard right now. It might be. And listen, it's allowed to be really hard sometimes. Because life gets really hard sometimes. And you may feel like you're just holding on by a thread. Let me tell you something. If your relationship with God depended upon the strength of your grip, you already would have lost it. It doesn't. It depends on the strength of his grip. And he said, nobody can snatch you out of his hand. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And now look with me at verses 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our third and final point, God is for us, so he gives us assurance. God is for us, so he gives us assurance. Now, here's what I want you to do. This was Miss Libby's other favorite passage. If you're in Christ, I just want to read this verse again, these two verses. I want you to take a minute and let them wash over you. Really listen to what God is communicating here. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know about you, but I've got some circumstances in my life that God uses these precious verses to speak some powerful truth. What's coming next? Wonder what it'll be. Wonder what it'll be like. And our God says what is to come can't snatch you away. Maybe you're facing the reality that you're a human being and they've done studies and 10 out of 10 human beings have to face death. God says, yeah, death can't even separate you from me in Christ. No, I've got a hold of you. I'm not going to let you go. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippi uh, to the church at Philippi while he was in Rome, chained 18 inches away from a, a Roman guard. He said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know what he's saying as he sat under threat of execution constantly with a big old stinky Roman guard? If you kill me, you will bless me more than anybody's ever blessed me because you will allow me to go home to my Lord. But as long as I'm alive, I'm going to live in the power of Almighty God through Jesus Christ my Lord, and I'm going to tell you about him because you seem pretty hopeless right now, and I want you to have hope. You seem pretty distraught right now, and I want you to dwell in the peace of God that passes understanding. You seem pretty depressed right now, and I want you to have joy that bolsters you through whatever moment life brings your way. So for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. You know, it was that one little verse years ago out in a field in Litchfield, Kentucky that God used to get my attention. How in the world could death be gain, I thought. Well, it can only be gain through a relationship with Jesus Christ who has overcome even death. If you started the game knowing that no matter what, you were going to win, it would change the way you played the game, change the way you reacted, change the way you respond. Well, if you're in Jesus Christ, you can know that no matter what, when it's all over, you win. And that ought to change the way we react, respond, approach. It ought to change the way we live because victory in Jesus has been assured to all of us in Christ. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.